Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, it's the last day of the year and the title of my message today is The First Day of the Rest of Your Life. You like that? First day of the rest of your life. You see, like Kath mentioned before, I don't know what your 2017 has been like. But if I can just tell you a little bit about my 2017, can I just say for me and mine, it was amazing. I love 2017. I would marry 2017 if I could. Maybe that will get passed down the track. Who knows? I'll be able to marry the favourite year. I don't know. But seriously, for me, it was that kind of year. It was a great year. So good, I would even marry it. It was awesome. Of course, it wasn't hard to have a good 2017 after our 2016. 2016 for the Rainbow Family was called something else, which I can't repeat. But 2017 was so much better. I mean, just take last production, our Christmas production, only two weeks ago. Amazing, amazing production. So, so incredible. Attendance was up by 39%. I mean, I could go on and on and on about all the statistics of 2017. And it's just so, so encouraging. I don't have time for that. But I realise as I'm ranting and raving about how good 2017 was for me and mine, I realise I'm in a company of people that that wouldn't be true for everyone. For some of you, your 2017 was like my 2016. It was one you would rather forget. It was one that didn't have too many highlights and a lot of lowlights. In actual fact, a good friend of mine in ministry, I spoke to him just this week. I'm going down to visit him uh, just this week coming. And uh, he had a horrible 2017. He said, Tony, my 2017 was much like your 2016 in that he got sick Uh, his life was on the line and uh, he's been able to come through that. And I just want to go down there and encourage him because I know what it's like to be in that particular time and place. I don't know what your 2017 was like, but whether it's good, bad or indifferent, this is what I do know about 2017. It's over. Whether it's good or bad, it's done. Whether it's good, bad or indifferent, it is finished. 2017 is a thing of the past. And while we can learn from some of the things in the past, we can't live in the past. Repeat after me, if you will. It is finished. 2017 is finished. Interestingly enough, they were the three words that Jesus shared when He hung upon the cross. He said seven things while He was on the cross. And the last thing He said was, It is finished. It is finished. Interestingly enough, He did not say He was finished. He said it is finished. This this part of my life to this moment is over. It's finished. But he never ever said that he was finished. In actual fact, he was just getting started. You see, when he went on the cross and gave up his life, the Bible tells us that he went to the lowerly regions and he confronted the devil and all the demons. 
And He took authority over death and hell once and for all. And on the third day, after giving up His Spirit, He rose again, defeating death and hell once and for all and showing Himself to all the naysayers out there. And what you need to understand, when Jesus rose from the dead, there were no believers. Even the believers did not believe that He would rise again. The women went to the tomb to prepare the body for burial. They were not expecting to find Jesus alive. So there were no believers. They were all naysayers. And Jesus appeared for some six weeks after His resurrection and showed Himself to Christian, to non-Christian, to Jews and Gentiles. He showed Himself to the world. And there before a select few people, He rose into heaven, ascended to the right hand of the Father where He's been ever since. And even then He's not finished. He continues to pray and intercede on behalf of the church. That period of His life when He was on the cross was finished, but He was not finished. Just that season of His life. Thus proving, as I always say, you can't keep a good man down. You see, church, something might be over in your life. 2017 may have dealt you a few severe blows, things that are pretty unfortunate, things that you would rather not have happened to you, But I'm here to tell you the good news is this. It doesn't mean that you are finished. Something may be over in your life, but it doesn't mean your life is over. Maybe you lost your marriage in 2017. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you experienced a financial crisis. I don't know what it is that you've experienced this year, but I am here to bring some good news to you, to tell you no matter what is over in your life, no matter what is finished in your life, you are not over and your life is not finished. Amen. The good news is, that after every end is a new beginning. Last night we went to bed. We said goodnight to the kids. Gave my wife a goodnight kiss and we woke up in the morning in the freshness of a brand new day. At the end of every night is a new morning. And with every new morning comes new hope and new mercies. And we are on the precipice of a new year. And I believe with this new year, there is a new hope and there is new mercies that are going to be afforded to each and every one of us. I know when it's nighttime, it can be dark and it can be bleary and that you can be uncertain because you can't see quite clearly. But the good news is joy comes in the morning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's the good news of what it means to be in Christ. That all those things that we used to do, all those thoughts that we used to have, those crazy things that we got up to, are all covered by the precious blood of Jesus and He remembers our sins no more and He gives us a fresh start at life. Our God is a God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, the fifth chance, the tenth chance, the hundredth chance of which I am so grateful for. Our God is a God who gives us chance after chance after chance. You see, church, there's a big difference between the end of an era and the completion of a destiny. It's with great sadness and confusion that Jesus was crucified. I don't mean to be 
disrespectful to those early disciples that had to watch the one they loved suffer like they did. We have the luxury of knowing the end of the story. They didn't. They were in the middle of it. And if we place ourselves in the middle of the story and see Jesus on the cross, we would be saddened. We would be as dismayed as the early disciples were. And the reason is because they didn't have an understanding of the end. And it's only after His resurrection that they began to understand. And I believe that as we soldier on and as we don't give up and don't give in and hang around long enough and we experience resurrection after resurrection after resurrection, we're going to begin to get more and more understanding of what God was doing in our dark hour, in our midnight hour. Remember Paul and Silas. You can read of these two heroes of the faith in Acts chapter 16. They were put in a dungeon. It was the dark of night. And they began to sing praises to God and the prison doors flew open. Before those doors flew open, you must be thinking, what on earth is going on? But God had a plan to save the jailer and his whole family. See, sometimes in order to get clarity about our midnight hours, you've just got to hang around long enough in order to make sense of those dark and dreary times in our lives. And so I would say, if you're going through a dark and dreary time, don't make rash decisions in those times. Because that's not when we are thinking the clearest or when we are at our best. Are you with me this morning? And so this morning, we just want to look at this incredible new day that is before us. Because if something comes to an end, it doesn't mean that your life is over. See, many people live like their life is over because of what they are presently experiencing or going through. And again, I don't mean to be disrespectful to the pain that you are presently experiencing. And I know there is great pain in a room of this many people. You can't get this many people together and have everyone in a great place. And I'm not here to be insensitive to your pain and your very real loss. But I am here to try to help you lift your head in Jesus' name so that you can move from where you are to where you need to be. Many people just put their life on hold for the rest of their lives. They give up on their dreams. They give up on their destinies. And I do not believe that that is the call or plan or purpose of God for us and our lives. What I've learned about all successful people is this, that they have one thing in common. They have this ability to stay the course and not give up and not give in. And that's what makes today so special. Because today is the first day of the rest of our lives. Today is the first day of the rest of our lives. And so I want to say to you, let's make today count. Let's make today count. And in order to make today count, there's three things I want to highlight on the last day of 2017 in order for us to make the most of this very day that the Bible calls today. Because today is the first day of the rest of your life. And the first thing we need to do is to look to our future. See, all successful people had this ability to keep going. And I believe it's because they knew how to embrace 
the future. And if we are going to be people that don't give up and don't give in, we need to know how to embrace the future. So number one is simply this. We've got to look to the future. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. This is Paul talking about our bodies that are ageing. Have any of you noticed that you're getting a little bit older? You get to the end of a year and you're just a little bit older. Maybe there's a few more wrinkles at the end of the year that you didn't have at the beginning of the year. Maybe you weigh a few more pounds or even a few more kilos than you did at the end of the year that you didn't at the beginning of the year. The Bible calls that we are wasting away. And Paul doesn't say, hey, because of the fact we're wasting away, give up. No, he says, because we're wasting away, hey, don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory, which far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I I love that. I'm convinced that too many of us focus too much on what is before us, what we can see and touch. But Paul is saying, hey, you know what? We are outwardly wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed. And he was talking about an eternity. He was talking about a life to come and to not give up on that hope that we have for a future glory because of some of the things that we are presently experiencing in this life. My question today to each and every one of us is this, what are you looking at? Are you looking at the past or are you looking at the future? Most of us would have a car and or at least have driven in a car. Would that be fair to say? And what you'll know is there is two incredible features in every car, new or old. One is a windscreen And the other is a rear vision mirror. And both are important. But how much time you spend looking at one or the other will determine on how far you get in life. See, having a rear vision mirror is really important to be able to glance back at what you've experienced. But you can't drive a car forward while you're looking in the rear view view mirror Is that right? Rear view mirror all the time. You you just just can't do it. You have to look forward in order to keep moving forward. And so thank God, at the end of a year, we can have a look back. And today, I'm sure some of you will just glance back over 2017, much like you glance back in the rear view mirror and look at the past. That's great. But you can't live in the past. You can't keep pining for the past. You can't live with the what if scenarios over and over and over again. If we're honest, there are many people in this room who nurse and rehearse and play a similar scenario over and over and over again. And what would my life be if this didn't happen? If only this thing did not happen. And you think about your life in the context of that not happening. The trouble is it did happen and you can't change the past, but we can learn from it and we can move forward. So what is it you're focused on? Are you focused on the past or are we focusing on the future? You see, I'm grateful for the last 24 years 
In February of 2018, our church turns 24 years of age and I'm grateful for each and every year. I'm grateful for the people in my life over that time. I thank God for the incredible stories. I was talking to Dan and Ashari on Christmas Day and we were having a laugh and a joke and Dan said, I have one, I have one personal gripe with you, Tony. And I said, what is that, Dan? He said, well, when I was much younger, we went to Together 05, which was our church camp. Together 05, it was a church camp. There was a time when we used to do church camps. Kind of signified how large our church was back then that we could do a camp. And the fact that the campsite could house us all says something. And I said at the end of 2005, hey, we'll see you next year at Together 06. And Dan was this young kid and he's, oh, I can't wait for another church camp, 2006. But by the time 2006 came and went, we never did a camp. Because I realised God was changing our church and He was changing our leadership structure and we could no longer do what it is that we used to do in the past in order to embrace our future. He was a young man. He didn't understand that. I don't think he still understands it. But anyway... <laughs> He was on the couch on Christmas Day crying and weeping about the past. I said, get over it, man. It's okay. It was 2006. I mean, we're in 2018. That's a long time ago. But we had good memories. We talked about some of the things. Little JJ almost drowned. If it wasn't for my wife, JJ would not be with us today because we had a pool full of well-meaning Christians all having fun. Christians love having fun. Even if a kid is on the bottom of the pool. And there's JJ on the bottom of the pool, all these adults jumping around, dancing around. And this kid cannot get his breath. And so Kath has to go and rescue JJ. Kath is purely responsible for saving about five kids in our church when it comes to Paul. So well done to you. Like, you're like Pamela Anderson in Baywatch. Just like amazing. But better looking. And in the great times, and I can reminisce with many people over the years about some of them. Remember this, remember that. We can talk about our very first Sunday when there was 12 of us in a room and, and have great memories. But I can't park there. As good as all those moments in our past were, I, I'm excited. Imagine if I parked there. The amount of people that have since come and found Christ and found joy and found hope and found forgiveness and found a new life in Christ. I, I can't wish for the past because too many lives have been radically impacted since. I know that's not always easy to understand, but that's how I feel. I thank God for the past. I can look back. We can have some laughs, but we've got to move forward. And this was an incredible year. But I'm here to simply say, church, as good as 2017 was, we've got plans. We've got a vision to fulfil. There are more people to touch, more lives to impact. And that is our future. We are not here to settle down. Maybe you've experienced a bad year. Well, the Bible says to us to hold on to the good. That doesn't mean we ignore the bad. We do not need another generation of people that suppress the bad. We don't need another generation of people that can't talk about the bad because we're Christians, we don't look at the bad. No, bad things happen to good and bad. The sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you came to Christ hoping that your life would never have another bad experience, you didn't fully understand the decision that you made. Good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. It's a life fact. 
good things happen to some of the most wicked people and bad things happen to some of the most holy people. It's just the way of life. And so it's with good reason the Bible says, you know what? Hold on to the good. And that simply means that we put bad in its proper place. It doesn't mean we ignore it. It doesn't mean we suppress it. It just simply means that we put it in its proper place. And the way we put bad things in a proper place is by getting perspective. And the way we get perspective is focus on the goodness of God in the midst of times when we don't fully understand what it is that he's doing. That song we sang earlier, He is Good. For some of us, we're singing He's Good because that's what we're presently experiencing. Others are experiencing bad and you're singing it by faith. But either way, we should always be singing, He is good. Because the Bible says we hold on to the good. That's our prerogative. We need to hold on to the good. We're all going to experience some sad days. Much like those early disciples when they saw their loved one in Jesus being crucified. Sad day. You've had sad days. I've had sad days. But just because it's a sad thing doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I want you to get this. Just because it's a sad thing, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I've talked numerous times about my 2016, and that was a crazy year to say the least. And there are incredible sad moments for me personally, for us as a church in 2016. And I remember being in hospital for three weeks with a blood infection, life on the line. And I'm thinking, my goodness me, what is all this about? I've got to be honest with you, I've had happier days. I've had more woohoo moments. But as I look back on that year, and I look back on what God did in me, as sad as it was, it wasn't as bad as I first thought. Because God did something in me. And I believe with whatever is happening to us, God is wanting to do something in us. Are you with me this morning, church? So look for the good, because it's always there. What are you focusing on? You're going to focus on the past? Or are going to focus on the future? It could be things in the past that are bad, or it could be things in the past that are good. People who talk about the good old days all the time, I don't ever want to be that guy. I mean, we had some good old days. We, we really did. But I don't want to be that old guy that just talks to the younger generation and says, oh, back in the old days, it was better. No, it wasn't. I want to tell you, I'm enjoying the music in church today more than I ever did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and certainly 25 years ago. I mean, the songs we're singing today are so much better. I'm so grateful for the fact that the church has grown and moved on from some of those things. So let's... Focus on the future in order to embrace our future. Secondly, we've got to speak to our future. Not only do we need to focus on and look at the future, but we've also got to speak to the future. See, words are powerful. God created the world that we know and live in today with words. On the first day, He said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light. And after working a little bit and creating light, he steps back at the end of his working day and says, it's good. And he did that on day two. He creates and he says, it's good. 
And on day three, the same pattern. We see him work and celebrate, work and celebrate, work and celebrate, work and celebrate, work and celebrate. And then on the Sabbath, he has a day of rest. And he doesn't have that day of rest because he was tired. He had it as a day of rest for us to model. I know many of you are about to go on holidays. And to you, I would say, make the most of your holidays. Use this time to rest up, to rest up so that we can get back into 2018 because there is a work to be done. And when we're working, we need to take a step back each day and say, ah, it's good. Maybe when you're away with your family this holiday, you can look back at your family and say, ah, I know kids, great. You might need to say that by faith, some of you, but say it anyway. (laughs) Maybe look at your husband and wife and say, isn't she beautiful? Isn't he amazing? Isn't he handsome? Again, some of these things may need to be said by faith, but say it (laughs) because you've got to speak to your future. You've got to speak into the situation. You create your world with your words. Your world is shaped by what you say. Psalm 23 verse 6 says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. And with that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. What are you believing for next year? So you need to start speaking to your future. And part of speaking to your future means that you've got to start speaking to yourself and stop yourself speaking to you. Do you know many of us give up just because we listen to our own self-talk? I speak at about 300 words per minute. But your self-talk, you speak to yourself at 1,200 words per minute. And right now, my 300 words are competing with your 1,200 words. And what you say about what I'm saying is more important than what I'm actually saying. And so if you're sitting there listening to what I'm saying, you say, oh yeah, but you don't know my situation. That's what I'm talking about. You've got to start speaking to yourself. You've got to start saying, hey, hey, quiet you. The preacher's talking. You've got to speak to yourself instead of yourself speaking to you. That's where we've got to stop nursing and rehearsing and if only and only why. We've got to be able to speak into our situation. I say this all the time when people say to you, you poor old thing. Look a little bit under there. I've learned to say, no, 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 stop. I'm not poor, I'm not old, and I'm not a thing. And anytime anyone that says that you are a poor old thing, you give permission for me and God to be able to say, I'm not poor, I'm not old, and I'm not a thing. We allow people to put things on us all the time and we have to speak life into our circumstance and life into our situation. I don't know about you, but I'm not where I want to be. Does anyone else feel like you're not where you want to be? I know Suz and Morgan aren't. They want to be married. They've just got to wait a few more days. Steady, lads. Steady. He's like, come on. Steady. There's a wedding to perform first. Steady. No, none of us. It'd be a brave person to say, I'm exactly where I want to be. No, I'm not where I want to be. And that can eat away. That can rob us of joy. And so how do you combat this very real reality that I'm not where I want to be? This is how we do it. I thank God I'm not where I was. And so I speak to myself, hey, hey, I may not be where I want to be right now. But can I remind you, Tony, that you're not the same guy that you used to be? 
We're not where we used to be five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. You're not that insecure teenager anymore. Hey, you might not be where you want to be, but you're not where you were. And I've got the rest of my life to fulfill what it is that I feel God is shaping me into. And so we start speaking to our future and we start speaking to our past. If we don't, this is what's going to happen. You're getting old. You've blown it. Don't you know everyone else has got this and you haven't got anything? Look at all those people that have done so much with their life and, and you've done nothing with your life. You're such a failure. You're such a loser. That's you talking to you. That's yourself talking to you. You need to start speaking to yourself. You need to be able to look in the mirror and declare who you are in Christ. You need to say, I am beautiful. I am the apple of God's eye. I am the pinnacle of all God's creation. Because that's biblical. That is true. That's not being big-headed. That's not being arrogant. That's actually being biblical. Having an understanding of who we are in Christ. Christ loved me so much that he went on a cross and died for me. I'm not rubbish. God doesn't make rubbish. Don't allow the things that people may have tried to put on you to rob you of your future. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. We can learn from the past, but we can't live in it. Abraham was that man of faith. And we read about him in Romans chapter 4. And the Bible says that he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. I love that. Christians need to be able to face certain facts. He says, but he did not waver through unbelief concerning the promises of God. Yet he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do that which he had promised. And so became the father of a multitude. Isn't that an amazing thought? It's an amazing thought. He was able to speak into a situation. He was able to speak into his life. In order for us to embrace the future, we need to look at the future, we need to speak to the future. And then thirdly, we need to commit to the future. If we have the band come up, that'd be fantastic. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, let us, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If we're going to embrace our future, we need to make decisions in keeping with our future. The Bible says that Jesus embraced the pain. You can't embrace your future without embracing the pain. There's always pain in our future. He embraced the cross. He embraced the shame. He embraced the betrayal. He embraced the hardship. Because that was part of his future. And it's part of our future. We've got to learn to embrace it. Because if we don't commit to the future, we won't be able to be part of it. Our daughter, Jordan, did a gap year this year. It was a fantastic year. I loved having her around because she did the internship along with eight others. Fantastic time. A little bit sad that this year's over for that reason alone. But as with all good things, they've got to come to an end. And she's just about to start a whole life. She's got a whole life ahead of her. And she did really well in year 12, got this amazing ATAR score, and, and that kind of opened up a world to her. She could do whatever she wanted to do. And she's gifted in a number of areas, and 
And she just really loves psychology at school. And she liked a few other things as well. Nathaniel, he was one. <laughs> but she has decided to study psychology. She wants to become a psychologist, which is kind of cool. And that one decision about her future has decided so many other things for her. So this is a great thing. When we can make a decision about our future, it decides a lot of other decisions. See, the university that Jordan now goes to, she didn't have to decide upon. The, what her desire decided the university she goes to. She didn't have to choose her course. That was decided for her. See, life gets a lot easier when you're focused on one thing. All of a sudden, a university is picked out for her. Her course is picked out for her. Her mode of transport is picked out for her. She can't catch any bus and get to that university. She has to catch a certain number at a certain time. Now that dictates when she gets up. See, when you live as a focused person, it takes care of so many other decisions. Most people don't make a decision and commit to a future, a preferred future, and so they just drift. They start this course, they start that course, they get on this bus, they get on that bus, they do this thing, they do that thing. <laughs> a little bit of 80s moves coming out. Just. But Joy's just locked in. She focus on that. She'll come out with a degree, but she'll never ask, what bus do I catch? She'll never ask herself, what university do I go to? She'll never say, oh, what course do I need to do? It's all taken care of. See, for me, ever since I've been a Christian, I never had to decide what I was going to do on Sunday, ever. I always just knew where I'd be. Because I gave my life to Jesus. And that has incredible benefits, but also has some responsibilities. And for me, the last 35 years, just been getting to church on a Sunday. So I didn't do that because I was a pastor. I did it because I was a Christian. We have people who say, I love Jesus, but I don't know if I should go to church. They say, why? If you want to embrace your future, you've got to commit to it. The reason we can live in the freedom we do is because Jesus committed to his future for the joy set before him. He endured. I would encourage the church, endure. Don't give up. Don't give in, but endure. Make a decision to continue to read your Bible, to pray. So cool as a family, we just come to the end of our 150 days in the Psalms. About to start a new devotional tomorrow on the 1st of January. So cool. It's not like we've done and dusted and we just start again. It's a new year. I've been doing that since I was 15 years of age. Not because I'm a fanatic, but because I'm committed. You don't build anything great without a great commitment. You don't build a great life without a great commitment to it. You don't build a great marriage without a great commitment to it. You don't build a great family without a great commitment to it. You don't build a great church without a great commitment to it. You don't build a great business without a great commitment to it. We live in a commitment-phobic world. I'm not here just to dangle a carrot. I'm saying this is, this is a reality for us. And if we will commit to, what, what made our production so powerful was that we had a bunch of 70 people 
that were committed to the process. For six months, they were committed. And they didn't pull out at the last minute. That would have been devastating. Imagine if Moggy just pulled out and said, ah, you know what? It's not for me. He's like, no, no, it's opening night. It's for you. <laughs> In actual fact, funny story. Funny story, Moggy. So glad you didn't tell us before the event. But straight after the event, he goes up to Saz, who was overseeing our whole Scrooge production. He said, hey, Saz. Now, now Moggy was Mr. Scrooge. He had a pretty significant role. <laughs> like, the role. And he says to Saz, hey, hey, I just need to tell you something. The only other acting experience I've ever had was when I was at high school. And I had the lead role. But I was so, be uh, so bullied that on opening night, I pulled out of the production. And I never, ever did it. And I never did acting ever again. And Saz is like, you tell me that now? <laughs> you know what happens when Mr. Scrooge pulls out of Scrooge production? You don't have Scrooge anymore. You just have people on stage. I don't know what you even call that. See, once you're committed now, it's not just about you. See, this is, this is what I know to be true. My life is not my own. I know what I do has an effect on your lives. Imagine if I said, you know what? I'm done with my marriage. Those kids, I'm done. I have felt like that occasionally. Just occasionally. <laughs> I've repented and we've sorted it out. But imagine if I did that. I, I wouldn't just be devastating my family. I would be devastating hundreds and around the globe, possibly thousands of people. So I'm not free just to make a decision thinking that I'm my own person. I'm just not. Because when you're committed to something, other lives depend on you. So we're free in Christ, but we choose to be committed to Him and His cause. And for us to have a preferred future, we've got to commit to the future. So church, continue to commit and stay the course in spite of inconvenience, hardship, or even opposition. See, the key to New Year's resolutions, this may come as a shock to some of you, the key to a New Year's resolution coming to pass is you being resolute. You can't just have a New Year's resolution if you're not resolute about your resolution, you've got to commit to it. The top five New Year's resolutions are, number five, to take up a new hobby. Coming in at number four, to make more money. Number three, to improve relationships. Coming in at the runner-up spot was to stop smoking. And the number one New Year's resolution for 2017, you guessed it, is to lose some weight. You might say, hang on, aren't they the same as last year? Yeah. Do you know why they're the same as last year and they'll probably be the same next year? Because no one commits to it. You wouldn't have to say every year, I'm going to lose a few, I'm going to lose a few, if you actually lost a few. <laughs> if you're actually committed 
to the process, you can actually have a new New Year's resolution. Imagine that. Not the same old one. That'd be kind of cool. And so just practically, let's just stand. Can we do that? I'm out of time, but I had four things. Guard your heart. Don't get cynical. Don't get bitter. Stay hungry. Hunger is a funny thing. You do some crazy things when you're hungry. Stay hungry. Stay hungry. Get organized. Put your priorities first. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And number four, just hang with the right people. The whole thing of fellowshipping up for me is so important. You've got to hang around the right people. Stop watching the wrong people, listening to the wrong voices, and entertaining the wrong thinking. This is the first day of the rest of our lives. And so it doesn't matter about 2017. It doesn't matter how good it was. It doesn't matter how bad it was. It's over. It's finished. Gone. Kaput. Can never bring it back. All those great memories can't bring it back. All those bad memories, <laughs> thank God, can't bring them back. It's done. All that we've got is right here, right now. And we've got an opportunity to commit to our future. And so we need to look to it. We need to speak to it. And we need to commit to it. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 